Hello, welcome to episode 36 of the Therapy Tales podcast with the Dawn and Jess show. Da, da, da. Got we a little ditty, got a little, little song. Now, yeah. yeah, we need a little theme tune. But it needs to have barks in it, like a woof woof one or something like that. Yeah, and we forgot introducing we forgot about introducing ourselves, people who are just joining us for the first time. Oh right, like if you this is the first podcast you listen to. That puts a lot of pressure on this podcast episode though, right? So I am Jess, the human therapist, and this is Dawn, the dog, the dog trainer. trainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to start posting as each other and see what happens. That'll be a bit of a laugh. Especially if I'm doing sarcastic <laughs> posts from now on. Yes. I found a way to be bad cop, with my true inner self all the time. <laughs> I think, it, I was saying to you, I think the thing that's good about it is not necessarily the sarcasm, is it just makes it blatantly obvious how daft it is to do things in a certain way, you know? So I think... Uh, now, if the microphone had a licking sound, that's because Faith just licked the microphone there at some point. Faith joining us in Starbucks. She sort of is like, I don't like it, it's people but also I get puppuccinos here, so that's Yeah, great. I really like puppuccino. So she's torn between I hate it and also, can I stay? <laughs> <laughs> but so far, she's just looking pretty chilled and lying on top of Jess, so you know, our dog of the day is Faith. It's pretty amazing to think that a year ago, well, maybe a bit more, it's June, June I got her um, last year. She was... Um, from China, just like incredibly scared of everything, with quite rightly so, because of what she'd been through. And um, I was determined not to let that get in, get in the way of our progress. So I'm very much see what I'm doing here, don't you? Yeah, this is a link. Just <laughs> like you prepared it or something. <laughs> we always say that, and then we really don't. <laughs> we were talking before. Um, about something that happened last night. I was speaking to a trainer who was talking about schema therapy. And so we had a, Don and I were ch- chatting and I'd said my usual, we should be podcasting this. So um, yeah, the, the schema therapy, as far as I understand it, so my okay. take. As therapist Jess. As therapist Jess, is that the we're talking about childhood experiences forming habits into adulthood. So there's a pattern there. So the schema is the the word. So it becomes a pattern. And so we're formed basically by our, which is normal, right? But a trainer had said they're working with owners to teach them schema therapy with their dogs, and it really blew my mind. Like I don't understand how that would work. So obviously I talked to Don about it last night uh, on the text. I think it was like 11 o'clock at night. What does this yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Sent, sent the link. It's like Don, they said this, and uh, what does this mean? So then I'm like, okay, read the link. And, and it is, um, so we're, we're constantly trying to adjust volume, by the way, and at the moment Jess regarded herself as louder in the last podcast, which means she's talking quieter now. Am but I? she's Am actually I? sitting quite far away from me, so I can't hear her, which means that I'm probably going to start speaking louder because I can't hear Jess, because that's the way it works, right? Well, closer. That's not a problem. That's okay. Um, it's not the problem. <laughs> we can we can solve problems. We're good like this. Um, I have so a anyway. dog just now, so I speak Russian occasionally. <laughs> So, yes, I've come across schema therapy before, and I was reading up on it, and I, and I still don't quite get it, I've got to say. Um, it just seems to overcomplicate things. So, so I have an aversion to labels and boxes and, and things like that. And what schema therapy seems to be attempting to do is categorise everything as a kind of label or a pattern of behaviour. And then what you do is you treat the pattern, not the person. So I always have a problem when we get beyond that. So when you kind of go, okay, so I get that patterns form and there's consistent things and there's consistent things that work and don't work, but you should never lose sight of the individual when you're doing that. Yeah, so I mean, my question to you earlier was, um, I 
very much take the dog as it is and not what's happened in the past, which yep. is why I'm relating that to, to faith. Um, and But you don't in therapy, you always go back to uh, trauma or a bad experience that happened early on. Yeah, so I start with what's happening just now, which is what is it about your day-to-day life that is not okay? What, what are we looking to change? Which also is, um, I often think of it as tripwires, which is when we change things, what will be the things that you that let you know it's different? Uh, okay. So I have I have a challenge because of the way I work, helping people understand how what we've done in a session is going to make a difference. Because most people are used to talking through everything, having deep, meaningful insights, you know, maybe sobbing and really feeling like they've dug deep, and so they come out going, "Oh, I know we've, we we really got somewhere today." Whereas when you talk to me. We're kind of laughing and we're kind of messing around with things and changing ideas and bringing things forward and messing with them. So most people actually leave my sessions smiling and looking slightly bemused um, about, well, how's that going to change anything? But it makes massive difference because we're not doing it a conscious, having to work hard at it level. It's happening subconsciously. Which is also why it's really confusing to explain what's happened because the really subconscious doesn't want you to... Have you doesn't want don't have any power? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's protecting you, right? So this is why people feel super nervous before coming to see me because they know something's going to change, and the subconscious is like, I've been working really hard to protect you. I don't want to change. I don't want somebody to tell me to back off. And, and we're always like really really respectful of the part of you that's trying to protect you. It's not a bad part. It, we don't treat it as the enemy, but we kind of go, look, you know, you're causing more of a problem than you're helping here. Could you just back off a little? So that's how it goes. So. So they come out of the session going, really? That was all we didn't really do very much. It's not going to make much of a difference. And I always tell people, you've got to be curious. You've got to look for differences. You've got to be deliberately looking for differences. And that's, so that's where, the, yeah, screaming child, always good. Um, that's where the tripwires, enough screaming child. Um, the tripwire thing comes in. So, so what are you going to notice? What is it that, you know, while we're sitting in a Starbucks, what would we notice that was different in... Um, me compared to a week ago before I spoke to somebody, right? So you look at faith and you it's go... It's always harder because um, it's it's really subjective, so it's, it's always it's really harder subjective. when it's yourself, right? And you've changed. So if you lose weight, you have a before and after picture. And very often still you go, oh my God, I hadn't realised how small I was or how big I was before, right? And we've st- talked about how um, we don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. That people all describe us as somebody different than we might yeah. think that we are. Yeah. So if we don't know who we are, how do we know what we've been behaving like to know the change? Exactly, which is why other people around you often notice things more than you do and go, oh, they wouldn't have done that before. You know, they would never have told me that they didn't like what I said. They would have always just gone quiet. I had no idea. And so, so we, the people around us, because their brains aren't changed, they get to see the before and after, but we don't. So it's a really hard thing for me and my clients to have them understand what's changing and so we've got to be very much what was different let's be really curious let's really notice the difference and let's accept the difference because again the other thing that happens is in the second session clients will go it's probably not a big deal or nothing much has changed i just did this and you're like hang on a second you told me in the first session that you would never leave your house to go to the supermarket and you told me now that you went to the supermarket twice in the last two weeks and it was okay but that's not a big deal for you so they still have the problem of I, my, you know my brain works differently than everybody else's 
even though those little trip wires are now fixed, they still have that overall thinking that they've carried so long yes. that I'm different, I'm more broken than the next person and so on. Um, and so what, what would be a really intelligent way to go, look, do you see how that's different? Yeah, that's, that's just the curiosity. It's evidence-based. You think it comes based. from them? It, it ha- I can't do that bit for them. Right. I, there's nothing I can do. So in the same way as I think if you told Faith's story to 10 people, all 10 people will sit here going, oh, the poor little thing, and they'd probably be giving her extra treats, and they'd probably be like, oh, she's shaking, it's like, you know, and they'd be like treating her like the dog that she used to be because they know her story. Whereas you're like, isn't it amazing how different she is, how she can sit here in Starbucks and she can, yeah, we know that she's not entirely comfortable with lots of people around her but it's not a big deal for her because she knows she's safe and she's just had a nice puppuccino and she's okay so we can treat the dog that you've got here and still know where she's come from but the knowing where she's come from means that you're not going to take her into a big crowded place you wouldn't take her into the middle of a shopping center and expect her to react the same way because you know unlike maybe some of your other dogs she's got different things so that's the thing so it's also this idea that we just suddenly become fixed and we suddenly become no problem person. Everything is kind of cool. But it's really, yeah, and people, well, one of the things that you know, I've learned from you is that the people learn by experiences, not just by telling them. And that's a huge frustration of mine because I'm all about, here's some facts, I'm going to share them with you. Yeah. You know, I, I love to pass on knowledge and I, I love to learn. Um, and so I find it really frustrating when people don't believe what they hear yes and yet religion exists <laughs> yes so um the last night we had um sheba james the new boy at the class for the first time and ashley took him in okay so just give a bit of background because sheba james Robert. is a new boy so when did you get him <laughs> what is he what's the backstory so he arrived we picked him up on, on monday um from england so we went down to get him so he's been in a He's Russian. He's come from Russia. The guy raised him and tolerated his little quirky behaviours. Let's call it that. New girlfriend comes in. She's terrified of him. Yeah. So he's um, possession issues. He's guarding and um, not just to the point where it's, this is mine, but actually stealing things to guard because he enjoys it. So from my perspective, he's he's getting a hit. He's getting his dopamine hit from stealing and then going, this is mine. Ha ha. Okay. The foster, who happens to be the woman that runs the rescue for um, this breed in the UK, said that her own dog was intimidated by him off of the bed, and then he took the bed to his bed. Right. So he's even guarding things that are not normal okay. objects. So food and shoes are normal, yep. toys. He's just going, nobody can have anything. Yep. Everything's mine. So he's a little prince. A little Russian Japanese. He looks like Basil Brush to me. <laughs> he's just like ever so cute. Stinking cute, yeah. yeah. He really is. So, um, he's, he's basically bitten her to the point where it's he can't be rehomed. It's a, it's a put down case. Yeah. And nobody wants to put down cuteness, right? Beauty will get you everywhere in this world, Don. Seems like it, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, um, just so happens that um, our good friend and trainer Ashley um, would love a Sheba. So we're hoping that he's going to be adopted by her. So he's with me this week to see if we can knock some sense into him. So, first day is um, him, this is Tuesday, is him going, I'm going to kung fu everybody. Everyone's getting beaten up. He's going for the dogs. He's having a wee rage about everything. Can't be near food, he just goes spare. 
second day, that was yesterday, he's in a total huff because he's realised there's consequences and he's totally quiet and subdued. He went to class last night, he perked up, he saw Ashley and fantastic with the training. So really, really good with the training. Um, so the, the purpose of mentioning this training last night was that um, Ashley had to manage him really well to keep away from other dogs because it was quite a busy room, it's a new place, lots going on and people kept bringing their dogs close to him to right. say hi. Yeah. And one woman had a dog that wasn't hers, a, a young pup who was interested in saying hi, and she kept moving around. Like, literally, she was, um, Ashley was um, blocking and moving the dog and trying to get away, and this woman just kept kind of following her around. So from from observing that, you know, and she did a really good job, nothing happened, you know, yeah. the dog was, everybody was fine, and it looked to everybody like he was a really well-trained dog, and when I, we mentioned they'd only been there for a few days, they were all kind of like shocked and in awe of, you know, how good he was, but that's her skill, yes. right, that's yep. her managing Absolutely. him. If we let him do what he wanted, he would have bitten probably lots of dogs in that room. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind he wasn't muzzled, so she's managing him, watching him like a hawk, never took her eyes off him. Yeah. Um, that's experience, yeah. right? So she's very aware. But the the thing I'm sort of observing is that the other people won't believe us if we said he was highly aggressive. Because yes. well he isn't, is he? He isn't aggressive. He's no. not bitten anybody. He's no. been really well behaved. Yes. <laughs> Which is we we had a conversation not long ago and, and extra background noise by the way from them steaming the milk. They never make this noise. It's not allowed in Starbucks. If you read the book, it's not allowed to do it this way. Really winding me up. Anyway, Does that mean you've read the Starbucks book? The guy who founded Starbucks, a guy called Howard Schultz, wrote a book called Pour Your Heart Into It, which is one of the best books on branding you'll ever read. So when I was in my business days, I read his book. Um, And then he stepped back after a while, and then he had to step back in again because somebody else didn't maintain the branding, and the second book onwards is just as good. So yes, I've read the book, and it's just like, I'm not supposed to do that. makes you an official Starbucks geek. Yes, I am. I'm a Starbucks geek. Um, the app and everything. Oh, and you need, to do a, you need to do a retraction from your first statement. Which first statement? Well, the first first statement. Oh, um, right, the, the cream. So, I'm, I'm our biggest fan. I listen to our podcasts. <laughs> I know, I don't. So weird. <laughs> Just so I can do things like this. So, you said to everybody that if you use the app, you get free puppuccinos, yes. but that's not actually true. You have to use the app enough to get 450 you stars. You have to be a Gold Star member, yes. which Dawn is, and I stupidly asked her, why are you a Gold Star member? It was like the dumbest question <laughs> Jess of the year. actually stood there and said, why have you got Gold Star membership? <laughs> and I, just, I didn't even answer, as you can imagine. <laughs> I just looked and she went, ah, uh, okay. But basically you get three stars for every pound you spend. So 150 stars gets you a free coffee. 450 stars gets you gold membership for the year. Right. So funnily enough, I have... So you get free puppuccinos. So I get <laughs> free cream, whipped cream and all that sort of stuff. So I just scan my app and we get free whipped cream. It's not a big deal, but you're here enough as well that you should get a point. So can I ask a question that's completely not related to behaviour or psychology? <laughs> it's unusual what? for you to ask the question. <laughs> can I ask a question? It's not a usual thing you say. <laughs> That's a whole other lane. Yeah, yeah, but let's yeah. Um, focus on the task at hand. When I order a hot chocolate and I ask for, and they say, do you want whipped cream? And I say yes. That doesn't come as part of the hot chocolate? Doesn't. I'm paying an extra 50p for that. You are whipped paying cream? an extra 50p. What if I bring my own whipped cream? Then that would be very weird, but you could do it. <laughs> but, you know, Starbucks whipped cream is really nice. It's, <laughs> t- it, it's, not, it it's not the same. Actually, the, if you get that. the whipped cream from Costco, the big 
thing of whipped cream. That's about the same as Starbucks whipped cream. I think it's got like extra vanilla or sweetener or something in it. Because they, they put the mix in their own whippers and they do it. So it's slightly different to regular Jess whipped cream. saving money tip, bring your own whipped cream. Or get Dawn to scan her goal level app and it's all... Always go to Starbucks for Dawn. Always go to Starbucks for Dawn, <laughs> which is pretty much what happens anyway. But anyway. Uh, where were we? Right, so we're talking about being in the present um, and me focusing on... So oh, we were talking about... So one of the things I was saying was that you quite often when you have a rescue dog or an asbo dog as you want to call it in you quite often bring them on the walks and i said you shouldn't bring them on the walks because you create a unique environment with dogs your life your environment you know it's unique and dogs stand down they chill out and you see the best possible version of their behavior so all the other people who come on the walks are just like what a lovely dog it is whereas you know a, its backstory, and B, how it behaves outside of that context. So if you want somebody to see how a dog behaves, you shouldn't bring them a potential owner, which we know has to be a more experienced than a regular pet owner to take one of these reg- rescue dogs. They shouldn't come on the walks and see this happy-go-lucky, especially the Kerry Blues, right? Because they just run around all happy, oh, hello, I love you kind of dogs. And you're trying to say, you know, don't you know, put it in the crate when it to it has boundaries don't let it on the couch you know make sure you don't accept behaviors well they're only seeing a tiny little percentage of his they're seeing a tiny but they're seeing the tiny percentage in the best very best possible light around you which is the same with sheba james who is like some royalty could we use this sheba james double barrel kind of name with it king sheba james king sheba james you know so it's like they they see a snapshot in the very best possible light in a well-managed well-controlled environment with full awareness And, and and i think that's the really interesting thing which is if you've got a dog with the history how long does it take of having it in the right environment having it well managed before you can actually confidently say that history is no longer relevant to the behavior of the dog that is the question uh, is it even possible you know it's like it's still a question mark right is it possible well if you change that so i reckon if faith went to somebody who just felt sorry for her she would turn into a little rat bag yeah I a think scared so. rat bag because she's quite uh, assertive yeah the core so um when she first came in i was really upset i was i'd seen pictures of what what she looked like when she first arrived and it was pretty her, pretty horrendous let's face it so there's two of them there's faith and hope and, and hope didn't make it so you've already got a resilient dog that's fought through distemper do you see it do you see that tick that she's yeah got yeah head? see that so that's the leftover um from distemper so this is yeah, neurological so, uh, above her ear is kind of twitching so it's her whole right side of her face and she'll yeah. do a wee chat with her teeth as well yeah, yeah, so I've when she's that, resting yeah. she'll she'll do this so that's a neurological problem um, caused by distemper that she picked right, up okay. so she's she's um gone from starvation in minus 30 kept in a, in a sort of rabbit hutch with wire bottom this is the pictures right that you get from the, the meat trade yeah. it's just horrific um, it looked like somebody had vacuum cleanered her her you know just taking a suction and just taking all the meat off her she was just a skeleton yeah. with skin um, then she's got moved to a concentration camp she's got moved to a um, 3,000 dog pound in China right. where she's contracted distemper and that's where Hope the other one died she didn't right. make it so she's come through all that um, she was quite feisty apparently when she was with the vet. She was like biting and stuff because she was don't fucking touch me. So that is a a hardy core. That's yeah, a, yeah. you know. So uh, luckily the rescue knew that and were like we don't really want to put her to a normal home because we might go the opposite way where they nurture her back to being a little shit, right? Yep. 
So um, I knew all this, and you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not ashamed to admit that I was crying into my pillow at night when she first arrived. It was even worse because I was obviously knew when I, I was um, sponsoring her, and when I knew I was gonna actually get her, I was upset. But when I met her, and it was just, it's a real shock. It's like this parallel universe where that's what she's gone through. That you know, and, and obviously you're a visual person and, yeah. and empathetic. So what happens to us is that we experience these. Um, Absolutely. You know, it hurts in, yeah. in your stomach. Um, and so she's got that, but now she's got absolute luxury. And it's like this complete parallel life in one little being. And how many millions, I think it's eight million dogs that are eaten in over a month long right. celebration in China for meat, meat month or whatever. Um, so she's literally one in a million, right? Yeah. <laughs> that managed to get away from that, survive yeah, yeah. it, and come over to the UK, where she's now living, you know, and having a Starbucks. I mean, that's. <laughs> Bananas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely banana. So you can just imagine the turmoil in my brain having to cope with this, what she's been through. And but in front of her, my reaction was, "You're just a dog. This is what we're gonna do, yeah. and this is how we're gonna get you to, you know, um, have a normal behaviour where you can." Because um, I know it's obviously quite complex, but for me, keeping her in a state of, of fear, and, I, and when I say keeping, I mean doing nothing to change yeah. that state. That's what I mean by keeping. So feeling sorry for the dog. Yep. And now one of the things that I get really passionate and angry about is these support groups on Facebook that are, you know, supporting of dogs that are rescues and from Romania and so on, from streets of Cyprus and so on. And I'm quite upset by what what's happening because they just go, yeah, my dog hasn't left the house in eight months and I, this, I can't do this. And of course you can do that. You can do yep. it within weeks. But they're not changing. They're yeah, just, yeah. you know, and we've had so many clients that are just giving the food in a corner of the house and changing nothing. Yeah. And I say, put the food somewhere else. Oh, but it won't eat it. It will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it absolutely. will eat it. It'll come out and it'll start. A dog that's shown that resilience and survival skills will has to adapt. Have some, yeah. Yeah. And so when I say keeping it, not changing your thought process. You know, what did I call it this morning? Um, <laughs> I don't know. You use so many words, Jess. Uh, on the sarcastic <laughs> I know, I know. Post, the Neanderthal training, <laughs> Neanderthal right? Well, we're not, we're not using our brains. We're just, you know, being monkeys, <clears throat> worse than monkeys. <clears throat> so, um, the 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 blood chemistry is the thing that I'm thinking about because staying in that state is perpetual stress. Right? Yep. The blood chemistry is um, going to affect the immune system. You're going to have uh, a shortened lifespan because yep. of the, the constant stress. Um, and probably you know other ill health complications because of that. Interestingly, I she didn't um, lose weight for the first year. It's only this summer that she's finally started to. Um, it's really difficult. It she messes so, up the, the physiology. So thin, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. then the vet just let her. They wanted it, so she went like a barrel. And then I've been trying to get her to lose weight steadily, and it just wasn't coming off. Yeah. What am I doing? What am I doing? But this last summer, she's really starting to have a shape about her. Yeah. So it, it, there is an interesting parallel in in human therapy. Um, with the same kind of story, obviously not being kept in cages and all that sort of stuff, but um, I have had so many clients that have had previous therapists, psychologists often, you know, um, psychotherapists, psychologists, who have sobbed in front of the client when they've told them their story. So they've, they've explained some of their past story and the psychologist has been crying and has then kind of gone that's the worst story i've ever heard and things like that and i'm like 
What does that do to the psyche of the person or the client? Well, it makes them feel more broken and unfixable than they did before. Because you brought the therapist. Because the therapist, even even somebody who has heard lots of stories, who deals does this for a living, is crying at your story. It must be really bad. And for me, it's like, no, your therapist is really bad because your therapist shouldn't <laughs> she be crying. Be because you're looking at, because it stops them helping you because everybody, that's what I see. The same thing as you described with, with Faith as having the resilience and the strength to survive. That's exactly what I see when a client tells me a story. Okay. I, I see, well, you've been through all of that and you're sat here talking to me to, yeah. and asking me for help and, and often you've, you've spoken to loads of professionals and the professionals have not helped you and you're still trying to find somebody who can help you rather than going I'm unfixable but all you focus on is the fact that you think you're broken and unfixable because all these people have told you that not the fact that despite that you're still reaching out reading books watching videos getting help and I think that's phenomenal that somebody despite that start in life can function in the same way as you think it's amazing that despite what she'd been through she survived and she's there and so uh, the important part that I'm taking from this is that you consider a good therapist someone that puts their own emotions to the side and deals with the issues at hand to help that person the so what factor it's like okay so you've told me all of this stuff right this doesn't mean anything to me or to you so what it doesn't mean anything to me I feel the same way when someone presents me with a dog in fact somebody came with a spaniel yesterday and she was so busy wanting to tell me all her problems I said just fine just breathe let's go for a walk yeah and she was like but 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 but." (laughs) you know and then when she stopped thinking about how distressed her dog was her dog went this is okay yeah because then she started thinking about other things. Yeah. So um, they want to tell me their life story. They want to tell me why how their dog is so bad. I just want to go for a walk. I just yeah. have a chat. And let's just yeah. get the dogs moving. You know? Yeah. It's um, so it's exactly the same thing. A good exactly. um, dog behaviorist therapist should not take their own emotion. So if you want to help a rescue dog, stop feeling sorry for it. Yeah, don't judge. Don't think about what's there. Deal with what's in front of you. And if it's not a problem, it's not a problem, right? So if somebody's got all this stuff that's happened, it's not causing you a problem, off you pop, carry on. But if you've come to me, you've said, something's getting in the way of my life and I need help to deal with it. That's what I need to do. I need to help you deal with the thing that's getting in the way of your life. I don't need to go through everything in your whole life. It might come back to something where we have to track back through. But at the end of the day, I just need to get you to the point where it's not getting in the way of your life and then off you go. It's not, it's not really relevant. That new client today, um, when you all left, and I was just getting her to walk past some people with, with new dogs, um, she said that was really great speaking to other clients that have been through it and mm. know how I feel, and everybody was not judgmental. Yes. So she she said that you know direct um, feedback that she felt that nobody was judgmental, and I find that really interesting because not all clients will feel that way. Some people come along and they just feel everybody's watching me. I'm being judged and, and actually when you start speaking to people you realise you're not no. they can't sometimes they can't over well not sometimes it happens once in a blue moon but it had it had happened last week where somebody just went oh so overwhelmed that she was like you know I don't want to continue walking yeah um, I need to do this without people around which is absolutely fine but if she'd just given it a bit of time or come without her dog yeah I think it, it helped when it's just one person with one dog for the first time and you've got lots of experienced people around you um for them, they can just walk and chat to the experienced people, and they've all been there before. Yeah. I think um, when there's a couple of new people, it's kind of hard to 
to spread your time. That's why we do the evening things, right? Because it gives you that kind of focus and time. But yeah, we learn by experience, right? So it doesn't matter how much you tell somebody. If they, if we sit here and have a conversation with somebody and say, this is what you need to do with your dog, it, it won't register because they won't have had any evidence. If they get some evidence of it, they'll, they'll go... Well, not well, everybody, because I think that people that I get on really... Sorry, people that get on well with my brain and, and absorb from me tend to be academics, teachers. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not academics, but um, doctors. Do you know what I mean? Like people that have... Uh, practical people as well that have got have had to learn things and are maybe more logical maybe but also um i think at the end of the day you still need to see it or or have it ex- experience it to know it's like oh well my, my evidence of that is i've got a few clients who have had since they were puppies one of which is you know seven years on and still coming on the walks but she keeps going back to the first thing that she learned from me and it was, it was like a three hour session it was really interesting speaking to them so I was there for like three hours with a puppy and telling them this is what you need to do this is what you need to do this is what you need to do and I think a lot of people are just like Ugh, forget all that we'll just take one or two bits from what she said but she stuck to everything and right. she's got a really nice dog um, because of that and yeah. you know she's um, she's always referring back to what I first said and a lot of people won't listen to that so it's interesting that she's listened to that and I've got a few clients that spring to mind with that that they've done that right from day one and they all seem to be either in professions of like doctors or teachers, yeah. which is what I mean, something like that. It, it's, interesting. it's an interesting parallel with, with clients, you know. So I have very often in my testimonials for my clients, they say Dawn gave me the tools to do, to change or whatever. And I find that really amusing, because I do. But I also do a load of reprogramming work in the but first they session. That. But they don't they don't acknowledge that. A lot of people don't. Some people do. They're like, oh right, yeah, I can do that now because of what we did. But you know, I've had I've had a run of clients lately that are like, okay, so we've done that in the first session. Two weeks later, I need I've got this list of all these things I need to change. And you're just like, it's only been two weeks. You know, <laughs> like what what do you expect? How good do you expect that I am that in two weeks everything will be changing so that you need another. Pretty mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. So the phenomenon that I'm thinking about just now is um, when people come along, like the woman this morning on her dogs. I, I could see how her dog was. It was stressed out. It was carrying on. It was barking yeah. like a little, you know, maniac. But then after the walk, she seems to have forgotten that we saw that because she's just like, oh, but it behaved totally different today. I'm like, no, it didn't. Why did she forget that? Yeah, yeah. And is it the same with your with your human clients yeah. that they kind of forget what they presented with in the first place? They do. They they forget that. So I will have clients that say, but that's not the problem this was the problem all along. I'm like, really? Because, you know, so the one I always remember is one of my earliest clients who had a terrible phobia of balloons. This phobia was debilitating. That's what the email said. It was so debilitating that they couldn't have kids because kids have parties and parties have balloons. Right? It was... Big jump. It was also so debilitating that the husband, if he was out without her, and saw a balloon would freak out because he was so used to having to protect her from balloons, right? <laughs> you need this. No, yeah, but, um, so it was just like so that was the email that she sent me, right? So her husband drove her to me, waited in the car, she came into my therapy room, we did our thing. I already had a balloon in the drawer during the session because when somebody's got a phobia like that, you have something ready if you need to. She didn't know I had it, but flooding. Halfway through the session, I we'd done our stuff. And I just got the balloon out, didn't know it was a problem, blew up the balloon, didn't have any signs of problem, she was absolutely fine, handed her the balloon, and and she was absolutely fine. 
and she was like this was this was a person who said it was so debilitating she couldn't have children right that, that that's how bad it was nice so halfway through a session she's sitting there with a balloon she gets in the car with her husband who sees her get in the car with a balloon they go home they play volleyball with the balloon she goes to a party shop just to test how it's changed and after half an hour somebody sets off a party popper and she feels a bit anxious so she leaves the shop and she messages me so I don't think it's worked because I was really jumpy about this party popper <laughs> and I laughed I mean I probably shouldn't have laughed but I did laugh and I referred her to her original email <laughs> and then two weeks later I saw her and she'd gone to the Edinburgh Fringe thing or something and she'd got on a tram and there were loads of people on the tram already with balloons and she'd got on a tram and she traveled for a stop and she got off and then she was sat on a wall and somebody set off a balloon next to her and it popped right which every single person I know would jump if somebody suddenly pops a balloon in your ear right next to you when you weren't expecting it so she jumped and again she was like I don't know if this is really working <laughs> I'm just going oh my god right I mean literally you left my room with a balloon when I actually didn't know I wasn't really registering how bad it was because before the session she would have run out of the room if I'd taken the balloon out the drawer she would have run out the room but she couldn't see that now her husband if I'd spoken to him would have been like oh my god I can't believe the difference but she couldn't see how different she was focusing on what was still stressful for you though still a problem she was focused because the brain the brain needs to have a problem right right so it just keeps moving right it's like all right that's fine now so it's this that I need to there must be a a way though to work through that right so you've had the problem so long that you need the brain it's a habit right I need to have a problem to focus on so perhaps the, the bigger problem is the need for humans to have a problem. Well, that is a problem. <laughs> it's a huge problem. Um, and this is why we talk about the dopamine and writing your positives down. You know, we have to very actively reprogram the brain to notice these new things. And the old pathways that have been there for a long time don't go away. So you can use tapping to interrupt those pathways. There's various tools, which I do teach my clients to do while we're waiting for the brain to update through experience we can do other things there's a few people who want to listen to this now because um, it's really important that we know that when we've got a habit for so long even fixing that problem doesn't fix the habit no and it's really relevant with the dog thing so you've got this this thing that created the problem and the longer it's been in place the longer you've lived with the problem the longer you've known yourself as having this problem so I come along and I get rid of the thing that causes the problem all those pathways that were grown because of the problem haven't gone anywhere they're still there and they're giving you the dopamine they're giving you the reward for traveling them so we now have new little pathways that we're growing and what we need to do is make them big dominating pathways so that the other ones can die off in their own time without us the the way i kind of describe it is if you go for a walk in the forest right you go for a walk in the woods and there's this really well-trodden path that you usually take and I'm thinking of Dromley Woods near us, right? So it's got these little paths that go through the woods and you've got the main path. And sometimes you go, I'm a bit bored with the main path, I want to go and do that one. But I'm pretty sure that's just going to end in a tree somewhere and I'm going to have to come all the way back and take the main path. So sometimes you're feeling really adventurous and you might risk it. But sometimes you're just like, I can't be bothered doing that, I'm just going to stick to the main path. So your brain's the same. Are you speaking to a Jess who would never take the main path? Yeah, no, I'm not speaking if, to you. I'm speaking to all the people listening to the podcast. <laughs> we know Jess. So over the over the summer-ish, um, when we were doing the walks around Plateau Park, 
um, we've, we've gone, they, th when all the, the big winds happened and all the trees fell over, um, I think it was Templeton Woods was really wrecked by all the trees falling over and lots of paths were blocked and eventually they got the big machinery in to move the trees but the big machinery caused massive um, ruts yeah what were they what would we call them ditches like ruts. in the road ruts <laughs> like really deep ruts like human sized ruts in the road so it was actually really hard to get around Templeton Woods because the pile even with wellies um, <laughs> if you're not just um, with with these ruts these muddy ruts and these piles of logs all over the place so we'd gone on one of these walks and it was really challenging for all of us and you know you've got all the people who turn up in their white trainers and things like that as well Tonies. so <laughs> so the next walk I said can we go somewhere that's not quite so off-road and Jess was like yeah, yeah sure let's go around the reservoir <laughs> so we go around but then we go off-road and we go through these slidey bits of tree stumps and then like you know one of the people walking with us slid on her arse like three times in that thing I'm like this is Jess's definition of not going off-road <laughs> learn in the future just say I'm not going um, but, but yeah most of us um, regular human beings Whoa. <laughs> didn't say normal um, would choose would avoid the path that is likely to make us have to come all the way back again unless we are feeling particularly adventurous our brains are exactly the same I won't go back on myself just no I don't I don't go back on myself I think it's wrong um, but our brains are the same so we will take the well-trodden, obvious Least path. resistance. Yeah. And you have to be determined and deliberate to take the new path and then recognize that the new path was better. That's a good word, deliberate. Yes. That's good. Yeah, it's a it cognitive implies choice. focus. Yes. And choice. And Free will. <laughs> a whole other podcast. You probably say that too much. But so, so that's, and it's the same with the, the, the walking the dogs and the experiences they have. So, you know, they know the history of the dog, they know its behaviour in the past, and they, most people will have reached a tipping point before they come on one of these walks. You know, most people will accept a whole bunch of behaviour until it reaches critical level and they really notice that actually that's not okay now. Are you coming on Saturday? Hmm? Are you coming on Saturday to the walk? Well, we're doing plateau because there's some children in need thing happening. It's in, uh, yeah, Joe Wicks is doing a children in need thing in so Camperdown with a partner. I will put it on Facebook at some point. Oh, that, that's great because it's Thursday now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been walking around the park this morning and I'm like, Jess, have you done anything with telling everybody about Saturday? Uh, no, I haven't done it yet. I'm like, well, it's Thursday now. She said, I know you're going to say that. I'm like, well, okay. Just keep annoying me. I will do it. Anyway, not so relevant to people who listen to this podcast in 2023 or 2024, right? I'll be listening to this episode going, what the hell are they oh on my about? God, that's just blown my mind. People might listen to this in the future. Yeah, they do. That's the way it goes for podcast episodes. Whoa. So, anyway, so this is the thing, right? So you can be as good as you can be. You can know exactly what to do. I'm wondering what Jess would think about history Jess, which is me now, who's listening to this in a few years. What would she say to me? Well, go and think back <laughs> to what you'd say to yourself two years ago if you were listening to this. Hot water on tap is good. <laughs> <laughs> Jess used to live a bit off grid. A bit. <laughs> a bit off grid. <laughs> a bit off grid. So, yeah. It's, yeah. But, yeah. It, it, you know, we do evolve. We do change. So, this, this is why I, I talk about my journey and what I learn about it so much. It's as much for me to be able to go. So, I love Facebook memories. They come up and they say, this time last year. So, this time last year... 
what are we in November right so my mum had died in July my whole I planned on walking away from everything having nothing to do with family ever again <laughs> getting on with my life focusing on the future and doing that sort of stuff whereas actually the total opposite happened I've had more contact with family than ever in my life before more plot twists happening and all sorts of things realizations and processes and stuff like that so this time last year I was struggling to even get off the sofa, I had no motivation, it just felt like everything was hopeless, my, my business was really quiet because the universe was going, you're dealing with stuff, I'm just going to give you that space, and I'm like, I don't want space, I want something to do, I want some sense of worth, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to deal with all this stuff without having any purpose in life and any future in my life, and I literally had nothing in my calendar for the rest of my life, and I was just in this really funky place. And, and that's the point at which you said, come on a walk around Camperdown, right? And, and we'd worked together and I didn't know you hugely well. So it was, for me, it felt like I didn't have to invest too much to come on a walk with you. It felt like a fairly easy thing to do, whereas I was avoiding all my friends because I just didn't want to have those conversations because I didn't know where I was at. So we had the walk round and you did the you thing of just constantly questioning me, um, which was great because it, it just- The you thing, that yes, me, it's, it's, yeah and it made me stop and think and it was just I got out and changed the scenery and you were like come on the walks come on the walks come on the walks it just started giving me a purpose and something to do but it comes up in my memories this time last year that's the state I was in and I'm in a totally different place this year everything's really different for me and it'd be easy to forget that it would be easy to forget what a dark place it was this time last year so for me that's that's valuable to remind myself of how much can change whereas I think some people use it to it makes them feel miserable about the things they've gone through for me it's a kind of like anything surmountable your situation can change in a moment and it can change for the worse so you've got to live in the moment right and that's why I'm, I'm really um, big on it. if it's not a problem you don't need to fix it we don't automatically need to kind of hold on to everything and say it's a problem it's just what makes you you and that's okay sometimes nobody's perfect nobody's without their stuff have your stuff it's fine have your stuff have your stuff stuff is cool makes you different makes interesting conversations anyway <laughs> and you're not as broken as you think you are you're not no but you know it's it's all these things are a journey as well right so just because you're not in a good place just now doesn't mean things haven't changed as well because we tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. yeah but this but this is the problem now so you'll have a lot of people on the walks that go oh yeah yeah recall's fine but they're terrible when um i'm walking down the street or they're terrible in the kitchen they keep stealing food and you're just like yeah yeah but but that was a bigger problem the problem was Absolutely. that you were getting bitten by this per this well, dog. That's the the, the, the recent one, right? Yeah. So they came along because the humans were getting bitten, and then they ended up um, going, yeah, but yeah, but dogs now, dogs. And, it's like, what, can, we, can we just take a minute to realise that in a month we've now saved this dog's life? Yeah. To now having a new issue, which you know was there the whole time, but yeah. now it's a bigger issue because the other issue's gone. And yeah, I, I wish there was a magic cure for um, getting people just to breathe and go. Look what we've come. Look what we've conquered. Look what we've come to. Hardest thing. It's really hard to say what's changing rather than what's not changed. It's it's just all these pessimists. Yeah, I don't even know if it's pessimists. We need to do um, Epicurean um, lectures so people can just start to all be happy. Realise <laughs> that life is about being happy. I, I just think if we could all. 
if you you know everybody always says if you had a wish for the world or something like that my first wish would be that people don't judge each other if we could lose judgment life would become a lot easier you know and then if people could learn to live in the moment that would also be great so if we don't judge and live in the moment I think we could all have a lot more fun and it doesn't mean that all that other stuff doesn't count it's just your goal should always be come back to the moment right yes because the moment is where all the good stuff can happen and where you have everything you need yeah and I was so I was driving along yesterday my uh, my child had a dentist appointment so I was very thrilled to get out of school a bit early and um, we have an Amazon music account and they share the same Amazon music account as me and so they have playlists and the playlists show up in my Amazon music app obviously so I have my playlist which I have a walk mix for when I'm doing long walks and I have a car mix for when Ash and I are together in the car so the songs that both of us like and then <laughs> Ash's mixes are like fuckety shit 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 <laughs> and really sad songs and all this there's just like 20 playlists that they've got of different songs which is quite entertaining anyway so while we're driving along plug my phone in place with the car Amazon music let's choose a playlist and let, let's listen to some music together so first song picked Gloria Gaynor I Will Survive by Ash right <laughs> which is a song that you cannot but just sing along to really loud right you have to turn it up really loud and sing to it really loud and it reminds me of um the show in the film Priscilla Queen of the Desert yes I've seen the show twice it's a brilliant show <laughs> um, and it's just got these drag queens on these amazing kind of still platform shoes and it's just hysterical Have you seen it? no um, so I was like Ash I need to get you to see Priscilla Queen in the Desert because it's a brilliant show and if you like this song but I'm, I'm just driving along next to my child both of us singing I Will Survive as I drive along and that for me was just a moment for me that was just like one of those amazing moments in life of just being there present enjoying being with my child and that's singing new for a song. you it is new for me because wow. my brain my therapizing the therapist kind of races <laughs> and, and what aspect of therapy were you just doing there no no I mean like over this period this extended no, no. period the, 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 there's been a massive change. I, I feel like I should get a gold star for therapizing the therapist uh-huh Jess and I keep just, talking about swapping roles, thing. right? Because Jess keeps saying that you're, you're a dog trainer, and I'm like... Well, I'm you hang around me long enough, you kind of learn training by proxy, don't you? <laughs> That's what happens. Well, you, you do learn... You've got a logical brain as well. We do talk about this rather a lot, don't we? It's not even like I'm observing you. It's like, you, you know, I understand it. why you you're doing it. it. So we have lots of conversations about why you're doing it. Yeah, so. well, same as Ashley, right? She doesn't want to be a trainer, but yet she could be with her eyes closed. You know? Yeah, yeah. Whenever Ashley has a dog, she does amazing stuff like... You know, transformation that dogs that Ashley has are amazing. No, she, she, she lived with me, so she saw some pretty, some pretty scary dogs come in. Yes. So. Anyway, yeah. back to your um, child. Well, that, that was fine. That was kind of the story. It was just like. Well, no, I was thinking more about her playlist and how she's. Um, I've got her own version of existential ennui just now. Oh no, it's it's <laughs> normal teenager. It's like absolutely normal teenager. It's just you wouldn't normally see the playlist of all these things. It's just really really funny, um, and yeah, so much of what's going on with child now is totally normal teenager stuff. It's it's quite entertaining. <laughs> They're not sticky at that age anymore, are they? No, no, it's, it's it, you know, actually they're generally pretty happy. That's all I care about. All I've ever cared about is that they're happy. Pretty happy just now and has learnt a lot from um, failing tests. 
and there's just an amass. <laughs> no, I mean, no, really. The 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 important thing when you fail is not about doing really well at everything. It's about learning your approach. So at this age, the things that they do at school are not um, career changing. They're not they're not got results. They're not kind of on their CV for the rest of their life. So it's a great time to learn how to fail tests, how to study, how to do it. So I don't care what mark they get in tests. I care that they're studying and they're learning from it and they're changing their approach. That's good. So they have a math that test today. Healthy. I think so. <laughs> so the math test that they had today was the one that decides whether they'll do Nat 5 or Nat 4 math. So in, in Scotland, um, Nat 5 are like GCSEs in England and Wales. I don't know what they are in other countries, but they're the first exams that you do that count on your first qualification. Um, and Nat 4 is not good enough, Nat 5, five is the proper qualification. And um, this test was to decide whether they know their maths well enough to be able to do that level of maths. And they're in, the last test they got they failed quite badly. And so they got put in a class for people who fail their maths. And they found it really easy. And they've been getting really annoyed because they find it really easy. I'm like, well you just have to learn how to pass your test. Because as far as they're concerned, you don't know the maths, whereas you do. So they think they've done pretty well on this one, which is good, because they didn't think they did very well on the last one. <laughs> so high hopes. But, you know, they've worked really hard, and they've changed the way they study, and they've used the resources around them, and that's the important lesson. They've done it before the critical exams. Whereas if you just are just smart and you just sail by, then you never learn how to study. I'm trying to think what I was like when I was in neophyte. So I studied for my GCSEs <laughs> the night before. Oh really? I have always studied for all exams the night before um, because I really find it annoying to have forgot stuff I've learnt. So you're a last minute I'm a last person. minute person. I pack a load of information in and I do it. I got um, A's and B's in my GCSEs. So you feel there's a difference between just reading stuff and then parroting it than actually absorbing it and making sense of it. And Which is, as a child, at that age, I could not have understood. So I did uh, maths statistics in maths in A-level, right? It didn't make any sense to me. I didn't have any context for statistics. But when I worked in the call centre job, I had to do analysis of calls versus customer satisfaction data, totally got statistics, which meant by the time I went and did my master's in psychology and we did statistics for psychology, I already understood how you can apply statistics right. better than just using you know, normal regular maths. So I found it a lot easier to learn psychology statistics than most of the people on my course because I would go, oh, I could have used that in my customer satisfaction and that would have worked there and that would have done that so I had some way of applying it. In the same way as I, I did the talk at the schools recently. And Are you sure that your brain has to be a little bit more advanced before you start talking about statistics? I mean, I can't imagine a young... Un you have to have an application of it. So yeah. learning a subject where you don't know how to apply it makes it a lot harder to learn. So some people have got a natural aptitude for some of those subjects, but some of them don't. And a good teacher will apply it, right? So if you're learning physics or chemistry or biology, a good teacher will bring it to life. They will they will focus as much on how they make it real yeah, as they do on the theory. Look how fast those clouds are going. It's like day after tomorrow type stuff. End of the world type, <laughs> isn't it? Well, if the world's going to win, then... Look at it. Right. It's super... You, you heard it here first on the podcast. Oh, man, it doesn't matter because the world's ended, so you won't be able to listen to the podcast. 
What a shame. Lucky you. <laughs> anyway, surely that's about 60 minutes of discursive. It's 51 minutes, actually. Not too yeah. bad, but that's enough. I've got some personal stuff to talk about, so we could probably... Okay, right, we need to end that now because, you know, we don't do personal stuff here. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> anyway, next episode, talk about something else random. <laughs>